to a new postseason recap edition of the Langrid Holy Land podcast. This is Matt Tamanini. I'm joined by Gene Ross. We are coming to you just moments after we caught our breath following Ohio State's 87-78 overtime victory over the Purdue Boilermakers in the Big Ten Men's Basketball Tournament. Gene, I believe I said, what the f*** happened after yesterday's game? I feel like that sentiment is still very much applicable to this one as well. I'm I'm physically exhausted after watching that game. I, I feel like I just played like 40 minutes on the court watching that. I don't know how this team does it, how they keep getting away with this, but they, they keep doing it. The Ohio State basketball experience is alive and well. Uh, it doesn't matter how big a lead they have at the first half, apparently, because it, it's not safe in the second. And for the second time in as many games, Ohio State, you know, had a big lead at halftime, let it slip away in the in the second half. And this time they even went to overtime and really tested their luck, but they came away victorious once again, and, you know, it's not pretty, but a win's a win. Yeah. In the first half of this game, Ohio State led 49-31 to 31 as they went into the locker room. Kyle Young had a remarkable 7-9 of nine shooting from the field, including 4-for-4 four four from behind the arc. He only had nine three-point attempts coming into the game. He hit all four of his attempts in the first half, giving him 18 points. Uh, Dwayne Washington Jr. also had 13 points in the first half as well. Unfortunately, despite that lead, four minutes into the second half, Kyle Young took an inadvertent elbow. This was not one that was in any way necessitated review for a flagrant foul. It was just on a follow-through of a shot, and Young happened to be in the way of his arm. He took an elbow to the head, and as many of you will remember, he missed two or three games late in the season due to a concussion. And from the moment it happened, you could tell that Kyle Young's head was not right. He stayed in the game, had an assist afterwards, but asked to come out. He then spent the next probably seven to ten minutes of game time with the team's trainers, sometimes on the bench, sometimes um, back behind a partition uh, where they could not be seen. He eventually went back to the locker room and did not return. And Gene, that was a huge issue for Ohio State in the second half, not only because he was on fire. I mean, he was had 18 points in the first half. Losing that is a big deal. But I need to go back and look this up, and maybe I will for tomorrow's game because I'm assuming Kyle Young might not play tomorrow, and honestly, his season might be done with with back-to-back concussions like this if that is, in fact, what happened. Um, But I have to imagine Ohio State's record without him in the last three seasons is probably not very good, Um, and not having another strong inside presence against um, Purdue, which just rolls seven-footer after seven-footer out. Um, really hurt in the second half when you were kind of relying just on EJ Liddell and maybe a smattering of Zed Key to really defend the post for Ohio State. Yeah, Kyle Young is incredibly important to everything this team does. And like you said, it's kind of, you know, it's kind of worrisome that he just came off the concussion. He missed the Michigan State game at the end of the year with a concussion that he sustained, I believe, in practice. And now it, this looked like a concussion. I can't imagine it would be really anything else when you take an elbow to the head like that. But I guess we'll have to wait and see. But Young was definitely the story of the game in this one, really in both halves, even though he didn't play in the second half. Because in that first half, he was just so good for Ohio State. He was doing all the usual, you know, scrappy Kyle Young things while Mm -hmm. also putting up a ton of points. I think he may have stolen Justin Arnes' shooting ability in a Monstars-like way that I'll have to investigate (laughs) further. But... And then in the second half, without him out there, you know, Ohio State's presence, especially on the inside defensively, was just not what it was. Travion Williams had four points in the first half on two of seven yeah. shooting, and he finished the game with uh, 
26 26. points and 14 boards. So clearly the absence of Kyle Young out there. Ohio State was doing a lot of doubling with him and Liddell in the first half and just letting other people beat them, kind of like they did to Marcus Carr, but this time on the inside with their big men. And that worked out really well. And without Kyle out there, you know, the offense struggled because they they couldn't ride the hot hand that they had in the first half. And the defense really, really struggled. So the loss of Kyle Young is huge. It'll be huge for Ohio State if he has to miss additional time, which, you know, it would make sense that he would, but we'll have to see. And yeah, it's it's a big deal. And that was really the story of the game overall. Yeah, in the first half, Ohio State looked damn near perfect. They they were basically doing everything right. They shot 55.9% from the field, 47% from three. Again, Young had was four for four. Dwayne Washington Jr. was three for five. There were a few others um, in there that took some shots as well. But the ball movement was spectacular. You saw a lot of really good passes, everyone passing up good shots to get great shots. But then also on the defensive end, the effort was tremendous. You mentioned how they were really shutting down Travion Williams. And for a dude that's a first-team All-Big Ten guy, he looked completely confused on the offensive end. And that was in part to Kyle Young and and EJ Liddell. But it really was a team effort on just keeping the ball out of the post and making it difficult for Purdue to do just about anything. However... In the second half, the script was completely flipped. Ohio State shot an unbelievably bad 23% from the floor in the second half, including going 1 for 11 for an impressive 9.1% from three. On the other hand, Purdue then turned it on, went 51.7% from the floor, and it really was a game of two halves. Um... Ohio State finished the game with just three field goals in the last 15 minutes of regulation. And Gene, this just felt like another one of those games where Ohio State had a lead, had a double-digit lead, and down the stretch pissed it away. Now, this was a little different than the Minnesota game the day before where it happened in the last minute 38 seconds. This happened over the entire course of the second half. But what is it about this team, not only in this game, but yes, in this game, but then also throughout the like the latter half of this season that just sees them give up leads, I mean, in the blink of an eye. I mean, it, it's really frustrating and concerning, um, especially when they play so well often in the first half. Yeah, I think it's kind of a twofold issue. You know, our resident basketball analyst, Connor, uh, he brought up in the in the chat before how uh, last time Ohio State had played Purdue, they shot really well from three in the first half. And so they kept trying to go back to the mm-hmm. well in the second half, and it just wasn't working. And, and that's how they kind of blew their lead in that game. And we saw a lot of that in this game. Like you said, they were one for 11 from beyond the arc in the second half. That's not going to cut it. That's That's 10 wasted possessions where you're not getting points up. And then the second part of that and related to that is that these scoring droughts that Ohio State goes on for, you know, five, six, seven minutes a game. Ohio State has never been uh, this. This Ohio State team has not been a very good defensive team at any point this year. They kind of just they have a very good offense and they, yeah. they tend to outscore you rather than lock you down. So when you have those scoring droughts like that, it really kills this team. And in a game like this where you don't have the size, you're missing Kyle Young, EJ Liddell is playing with three or four fouls for most of the game, so you can't really work your way inside against the tall trees like Edie and Travion Williams. You're kind of stuck taking those threes, and when they're not falling, you blow leads like that. And that's what we saw in this game, and that's what we've seen a lot down the stretch with Ohio State playing these teams that have these really, really good, solid bigs like uh, Dickinson at Michigan and Kofi Coburn at uh, Illinois and now Travion Williams at Purdue. And it's just not a good matchup for Ohio State. We've been saying forever that they need to recruit a center, and we just keep seeing it unfold each and every game now. 
in this game, that bore true to the fact that it was 72-72 at the end of regulation. And honestly, Gene, going into overtime, I was like, well, this one's done. I mean, Ohio State has no flow, um, no consistency on either end of the floor. Purdue had all of the momentum. Basically, everything they were doing was working, whether it was on offense or defense. I really thought that we were going to be waiting until Sunday to see where Ohio State would be playing in the NCAA tournament. However, that did not happen. Ohio State was tremendous in the overtime. They hit five of their six attempts from the field, including going two for three from beyond the arc. They shot 83.3% in overtime while they held Purdue to just a single field goal on one of five shooting from the floor. But it wasn't just on uh, on offense. They really did it on defense. They created turnovers. And what was interesting about this, Gene, is that they did it with, with obviously without Kyle Young. EJ Liddell um, fouled out about halfway through the overtime period. Justice Suing also fouled out, but with like 33 seconds left. And guys like Musa Jallo, um, Zed Key, Seth Towns all stepped up pretty big uh, in the overtime, uh, Dwayne Washington Jr. also had five points, but Seth Towns had a three, he had a, a bank jumper, which I actually think he meant to bank in. So I mean, like we saw some dudes who maybe hadn't had a great game coming off the bench actually stepped up and really gave Ohio State this victory when it looked like the starters or what was left of the starters were really running out of gas. Yeah, and I had said after uh, yesterday's game that, you know, I didn't even remember Seth Towns really playing. I, I, I remember seeing him on the court, but I don't think he had much of an impact at all. Yeah. And he was one of the main catalysts in the overtime period for Ohio State getting this win. He hit a huge three. And then uh, right after that, that bank shot you were talking about, and that put them up by multiple possessions, and that really allowed them to kind of coast the rest of the way. Purdue seemed to kind of like panic a little bit on the offensive end after that, and they really couldn't get anything going from there on. But yeah, I thought he was he was really good in this game. And Jallo, once again, came up big down the stretch. His defense has been so important. He forced Jaden Ivey into a turnover at the end of the game. And he's just been he's been really good at locking up those really pesky guards like that on, on these opposing Big Ten teams. And I'm sure we'll continue to see him getting more minutes moving forward. And he could be a really key cog for this team moving forward, especially if Kyle Young needs to miss some time. Ohio State could, you know, they're already yeah. small. They might as well go all in and go really small and just have three guards on the floor with Jallo out there as kind of a, a tweener at the three spot. Yeah. Um, a, a few other things that I want to mention in this game. Ohio State continues to have a huge advantage over just about everybody from the free throw line. They shot 89% from the free throw line, making 16 of their 18 attempts against Purdue. Purdue, on the other hand, only hit 56% of their shots from the free throw line. Um, that is something that Ohio State has really done super well all season. They are ninth in the country with 16.6 free throws made per game. And what's interesting is, is they're only 41st in free throw attempts. So they're getting a decent amount of shots, but they're making a pretty considerably impressive number um, of those shots. And that's something to look out for down the stretch because those are hidden points that people don't think about. But shooting well from the free throw line is something that Ohio State teams have not done dating back to the Thad Mata era. So to see a team effectively shoot 90% from the free throw line as a team is pretty awesome. Um, also in this game, despite the fact that, that Ohio State had a considerable size disadvantage, they out-rebounded Purdue 41-35. to And obviously, um, it was actually even bigger uh, in the first half, 21 to 13. Um, that is something that I did not expect going into this game, but it was obviously uh, pretty darn important, Gene. 
Yeah, and uh, it's, it's uh, Justice Suing has been really important for Ohio State on the boards. He actually led the team today with 10. He was the only guy in, in double-digit rebounds. And, you know, when you don't have a true center like that, you kind of have to rebound with a team mentality. Everyone has to go for the boards. You can't just be looking for the run out, looking for the, the transition basket. You have to try to attack the boards. It's the only way you're going to be able to, to beat these big teams. And then on the on the terms of free throws, I mean, Purdue wins this game if they could hit a free throw. They, they left 12 yeah. points at the line. And, like, heading into overtime, they, they probably would have just won the game outright if they could have just hit like a couple more free throws they were really bad at the line today I'm sure they're going to be you know hanging their heads about that but you know at the end of the day uh you got to make your free throws and Ohio State did they were 16 of 18 guys like you know uh, CJ Walker and Dwayne Washington are absolutely money at the line especially you know in college you see most of these kids you know shooting 60 percent 65 percent at best the Ohio State has two guards shooting over 90 percent at the line so nothing to scoff at there those are very important points like you said and it's it's good to see and it's important to have on the team and what's even more impressive than the guards who are always awesome against Purdue EJ Liddell and Zed Key were a combined nine of 11. Both both of them missed a single free throw. Um, so having your bigs be able to do that as well is also uh, pretty impressive. So that's a good thing moving forward. One last stat I want to point out. Yesterday, I talked about the fact that Ohio State was um, abnormally turnover prone against Minnesota, especially down the stretch. They had 15 turnovers in that game. Ohio State, despite having um, an overtime period, was still under their season average in turnovers with a total of 10, two of those coming in OT. But because of how high paced this game was, they only had a turnover on 14% of their possessions, which is uh, which is pretty good um, against a team that is as uh, defensively adept as Purdue. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So that means that Ohio State is moving on to the Big Ten Tournament semifinals. They will face the number one seed, Michigan. Ohio State is the number five seed. They are actually the first team in the Big Ten Tournament this season to win as an underdog. Um, Obviously, they were a five seed against Purdue's four seed, but that does mean that they are the first team to break chalk. They will face off against Michigan in tomorrow's semifinal, Saturday's semifinal, which will begin at 1 p.m. on CBS. The other semifinal, which will start at approximately 3.30 p.m., will be between the winner of number two, Illinois, and number seven, Rutgers, and the winner of number three, Iowa, and number six, Wisconsin, which are both still to come on Friday afternoon. Now, Gene, last time Ohio State played Michigan, it was at Value City Arena just two, three weeks ago on February 21st. It was a tight game. Ohio State looked like they had um, some advantages at times. However, they ended up losing 92 to 87. Um, What were your thoughts coming out of that game about how Ohio State matched up with one of the best teams in the country? 
Yeah, I thought actually that was one of the best games Ohio State's played this season, ironically, even though they didn't come out victorious. They looked really good in that game. They shot the ball very well against a very good Michigan team. I, I'm, I'm going to have Michigan in my Final Four for sure. I might have them winning it all. I don't I don't want to, but Michigan is a very good, <laughs> very balanced basketball team. They could kill you inside, outside, very tough to guard, very tough to keep up and scoring with. And so the fact that Ohio State, you know, a few plays here and there, Michigan doesn't go like I think they were 10 of 13 in the first half from three in that game so you know a few Mm -hmm. shots fall here and there and Ohio State wins that game so uh, I was really impressed what Ohio State did against Michigan last time out Uh, it's going to be a little different this time around especially if Ohio State doesn't have uh, Kyle Young available for tomorrow's game but I mean anything could happen you know we we saw we've seen a lot of weird things happen in college basketball this year but you know it'll be it'll be a good one hopefully another hopefully another classic like the one we saw in uh, Value City Arena. Yeah, I would prefer the one that happened in Indianapolis 11 years ago with uh, the villain uh, Evan Turner hitting a buzzer beater to beat Michigan. I will take that as opposed to the one that we saw in Value City Arena. But you mentioned the fact that Kyle Young, I'm guessing, isn't playing again in that game in February against Michigan. He only had five points and four rebounds. So it wasn't like he was shooting and scoring like he did against Purdue in the first half. He only had five, just assuming only had six. It was Dwayne Washington Jr. who had a monstrous 30 points. EJ Liddell had 23 and CJ Walker had 15. I'm going to say it now. If Justin Arns starts another game this season, I am going to march to wherever in Indiana that game is being played and um, slap Chris Holtman across the face with a leather glove and declare a duel because CJ Walker has been playing very well. Justin Arns is just a shell of what he was uh, earlier in the season in terms of plus minus Arns was a negative 11 uh, in the game against Purdue. That was the worst on the team where CJ Walker was the best on the team at plus 22. So I'm just saying it now. CJ Walker needs to be back in the starting lineup full time. I know he said that he's better coming off the bench right now. That is not true. That's very selfless of him. And it might have been true when he first got back into the lineup. He needs to be in the game. He needs to be playing as many minutes as humanly possible. And he did. He played 35. Um, I love Justin Arns, but there's really just no reason to have him on the floor anymore this season. Yeah, and I mean, calling calling Arns a starter in this game would be, you know, a bit of a reach. I mean, he was in the starting five, but I think he played the first two minutes, right. and then he got pulled for Walker almost immediately. Arns is great, but if he's not hitting threes, he's completely useless out there on the court. He's a defensive liability. He's he's kind of a tweener between a forward and a guard. He's not very big, so it's not like he's going to be inside. He doesn't shoot two-pointers. So it, it's tough to justify having him out there when you have a guy like C.J. Walker on the bench who's distributing the ball, shooting the ball, playing defense, and doing all that great stuff for you. So I would also like to see an adjustment to the starting lineup. And while Kyle Young didn't maybe score a lot the last time out against Michigan, I think he was probably, you know, Ohio State's really going to struggle with Hunter Dickinson. Uh, Hunter Dickinson oh, yeah. is seven foot one. He's their leading scorer. He, he dropped a ton on Ohio State last time around. And without him in the paint, uh, you know, between him and Franz Wagner, Ohio State's going to have a really, really tough time keeping Michigan off the glass and just from scoring inside on them in the paint all day. So they're going to have to, you know, Chris Holtman's going to have to come up with some hell of a game plan to, to try to limit the damage inside as much as possible against the Wolverines and hopefully try not to fight Juwan Howard. Uh, we're going to get to that. Um, Hunter Dickinson had 22 in the game in February against Ohio State and uh, Wagner had nine, but um, didn't have nearly as many. Uh, attempts as as Dickinson did. It'll be interesting. Um, I, I I would like to see this game played with Kyle Young in the game and healthy. I don't think that's going to happen. 
Um, but we will take what we got. And I think, Gene, with the win over Purdue, that effectively cements Ohio State as a number two seed in the NCAA tournament. I think they probably had that locked up coming into this game, but maybe a 20, 30 point loss would have knocked them down to the three line. But they're they're for sure a number two seed in the NCAA tournament now, right? Yeah, I would think so. And it just shows how deep the Big Ten conference is this year that Ohio State was the five seed coming into the Big Ten tournament and they're a two seed in the NCAA tournament. So, you know, tough conference. Yeah. Ohio State, you know, weathered the storm a lot. They had a really great season. They kind of faltered at the end. But at the end of the day, they're a good team and they deserve that two seed to the fullest extent. They played well. They beat a bunch of, they beat four top 15 teams, I believe, four or five. And, you know, they're, they're good. When they're on, they're on. Sometimes they get cold and they do these things where they decide not to play in the second half. But when they're not doing that, they're really good. And the good thing about the NCAA tournament is, is they're probably not going to have to play a Big Ten team until at least the Sweet 16. So maybe all of this, you know, rigmarole with them uh, collapsing down the stretch doesn't happen if they're playing someone from the A-10 or the ACC or any other conference. But so I did want to talk about what you mentioned between every Ohio State fans, two favorite Big Ten coaches, Michigan's Juwan Howard and uh, Maryland's motor-mouthed Mark Turgeon. Um, they got into it in the middle of the game, their quarterfinal game, which preceded Ohio State's on Friday. Jawan Howard got two technical fouls and had to be restrained before he was ejected. The way he described it after the game is he said he was outside the coach's box and Turgeon was complaining to the referees about it. And Jawan effectively said, come on, this is really what we're going to do. You're going you're gonna to complain about that. To which Turgeon claims that all he said was, don't talk to me or you never talk to me. Don't talk to me now, whatever it was. On the other side, Juwan Howard claims that Turgeon said, don't hang that Big Ten banner. All of the banners you're involved with get taken down eventually, which is obviously a shot at the Fab Five, which honestly, if it came from anybody other than Turgeon, I would kind of think was kind of funny. But he's an asshole and has always been an asshole. So I'm kind of siding with Jawan Howard on this gene which feels weird for me yeah it's tough but Mark Turgeon just stinks he wasn't he though he was accusing Ohio State of cheating last year was that wasn't that him he was yes he was that's what yeah that's that's why I don't like him he is like the the Jim Harbaugh of Maryland football like he he like he just he loves yeah. to complain he loves to make excuses everything's like you know everyone's out to get Maryland basketball apparently as if anybody cares about Maryland basketball no one gives a shit about Maryland and, and, basketball uh, what, I, what I almost found was uh, equally as funny was the fact that you know uh, John Beeline on the halftime show talking about setting an example but i guess we won't we won't go there either with the, the michigan no. men defending each other no 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 no. we don't we don't need uh john beeline chat uh on this podcast but all right well ohio state is 2-0 in the big 10 tournament that's two wins after losing the final for regular season contests. This is exactly what we thought they needed, Gene. This is exactly what uh, Joey Lane said um, the Buckeyes needed when I talked to him in this podcast feed earlier this week. He also said he thought that Ohio State had a shot to win the entire Big Ten tournament. So they are now two wins away from that happening. They will have to go through some pretty stiff competition to make that happen, first with Michigan and then either Rutgers, Illinois, Wisconsin, or Iowa. I'm assuming it'll be either Illinois or Iowa, but you never know, like you said. But a win's a win, and Ohio State survives and advances. They will play again on Saturday at 1 p.m. We will be back with a post-game recap podcast of that game. I 
think, I, I don't know who it's going to be. It might be me and Gene. It might be me and Connor Lamonds. It might be Gene and Connor. We don't know yet, but someone will be here after that game to give you all of the information you need to catch you up if you don't actually get to see the game live on CBS. Anyway, thank you all for listening to this episode of Land Grant Holy Land's postseason coverage of the Ohio State men's basketball team. If you found this episode on our website, LandGrantHolyLand.com, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We are by far bringing you the most unique and varied perspectives in the entire Ohio State podcasting universe, for better or for worse. Also, don't forget to follow Land Grant Holy Land on Twitter at LandGrant33, and you can find me at BWWMatt. Gene, where can people find you? They can find me on Twitter at Gene underscore Ross 23 and uh, occasionally patrolling the Land Grant Holy Land account. So go, go read our stuff. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We will talk to you soon. And as always, go Bucks.